0: We turn this morning to Luke's account of the resurrection, Luke chapter 24, and we begin reading at verse 1, and we read, in the name of our risen Lord Jesus. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death and your resurrection. Thank you that you are the living one the living one that even now ever lives to make intercession for your people, the living one who, who lives within the hearts of those who know you as Savior, the living one who will come again and receive us, Lord Jesus, to yourself, that where you are, there we may be also. Lord, I pray that You would take now the words that You have given to us, the words by the inspiration of Your Holy Spirit. Apply them, Lord Jesus, to our hearts this day, this glorious Easter Sunday, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. David Siemens tells the story of a Muslim in Africa who became a Christian. And his friends were wondering why he became a Christian, and so he said, here's why. He said, suppose you're going down the road, and suddenly there's a fork in the road, and you have to decide which road to take. And at the fork in the road, there are two men, one dead and one alive. Which one would you ask for directions from? He says, that, my friends, is why I am a Christian. Whether you realize it or not, today you stand at a fork in the road. As you've come to this Easter service on this Easter Sunday, you stand at a fork in the road. And when you leave this place today, you will have decided one or the other way to go. Either yes, you will follow the living one. Yes, you will give your life to Jesus. Yes, you will live for Him. Or you will live for yourself or something else. Who are you going to follow today? I think we ought to follow the living one. Notice, first of all, the living one sets us free from sorrow. When the women came to that tomb on that first Easter morning, it is very clear what they were planning to do. They were planning to anoint Jesus' dead body. And in their sorrow, they were gathered all the spices, and and here they come to the tomb. And verse 2 says, "...and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus." To their absolute shock, the body of Jesus was not there. He had been risen from the dead. And when they met Him, their sorrow was turned into great joy. Matthew 28, verse 8 says, And they left the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to His disciples. Notice how the living One had set them free from sorrow when we experience the death of a loved one who knows Jesus we also sorrow don't we the separation that death brings is a painful thing i remember visiting with an older lady several years ago whose husband had passed away and she said pastor my heart literally hurts It pains me. Every time I think of my beloved husband gone to be with Jesus, my heart literally hurts. And so we experience sorrow when death comes to our home. But the resurrection of Jesus is what takes that sorrow away because resurrection means reunion. Just as the women were reunited with Jesus, so we will be reunited with those who love the Lord, and it will be the greatest family reunion the world has ever seen. 1 Thessalonians 4 describes it. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of those who fall asleep. That you sorrow not as the rest who have no hope. He does not say don't sorrow, but don't sorrow like those who have no hope. And he goes on to describe why. He said, we believe that Jesus has died and has been raised to life. And so we believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The Lord will come back with a shout. The trumpet of God, the dead in Christ, will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain, Paul says, will be caught up with them in the clouds. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, Paul says, comfort one another. Encourage one another with these words. Henry Bosch was... A young man who worked in a cemetery for the summer in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And during that time, he said he observed many, many graveside services. But he said there was one that he will never forget it was the service of a little six year old girl, a pastor's daughter. They had prayed for years that God would give them a baby and finally this precious little girl came and then at the age of six, a tragic accident took her life. And as they came to the as he observed this graveside service, they did something which I've never seen done before. They opened the casket at the cemetery before they placed the casket in the ground. One more opportunity for the family to see this beloved little girl. He said there was not a dry eye at that graveside service that day. And before they closed the casket again, the Father raised His hands toward heaven and with tears rolling down His cheeks, He said, Good night, darling, He said. We'll meet you in heaven. We loved you so much, but Jesus loved you more. Good night, darling. That's the living hope. Because of Jesus. Even though it was sad and very sorrowful to say goodbye to that precious little six-year-old girl. They had a living hope. We will see you again. And just as the women saw Jesus after He had been raised from the dead. That is the hope on which we stand today. We've all lost loved ones that have gone to be with Jesus. Just think of what a great and wonderful reunion that will be. A family reunion. But you need to be a part of the family of God. You need to know Jesus as your Savior. You need to have a living relationship with Him. Not everybody will be there. Only those who know Jesus. And I'm so glad that I'm a part of Of the family of God, I've been washed by His fountain, cleansed by His blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel the sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. And so, I ask you on this Easter Sunday: Do you know Jesus? Are you part of the family of God? Can you say today, I know in whom I have believed. I know that Jesus is my Savior. I know that when He comes again, or when death comes my way, I will be ushered into His presence forevermore. We can know today. First John 5 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. A lot of people, you ask them, you know, do you know for sure? Well, I hope so. Or I think so. Or I'm working on it. Trying to live a good life. That's a hopeless answer. But when you stand upon Jesus Christ, the solid rock, when you know Him as your Savior, that's a living hope. The living one sets us free from sorrow. Notice, secondly, the living one not only sets us free from sorrow, but he sets us free from sin. When the women saw that the body of Jesus was no longer in the tomb, it says they were perplexed. But the angel clarified things for them by reminding them of what Jesus had said. Verse 4 says, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And then verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. Notice what the angels said in verse 7. They said, quoting Jesus, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. This must be. It was necessary that Jesus die and rise again. Necessary because God planned it this way. We look a little bit later in the chapter when Jesus meets the two on the road to Emmaus. Verse 25, He said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary? for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter His glory. Verse 44, when He gathered with the disciples then, He said to them in verse 44, These are My words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about Me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. It had to happen, because that's... God's plan. But from our perspective, it had to be this way also because we have a problem with sin. And the Bible makes that very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. The wages of sin is death. God's Word is very clear that every one of us stand before God today as sinners. In need of a Savior. I don't care who you are, how nice you are, how good-looking you are, how rich you are, how kind you are. You are still a sinner that needs a Savior. And for Jesus to come as our substitute, in our place, take our sins to the cross, there is no other way, no other way, that you and I can be saved other than through Jesus. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it is possible that this cup pass from me. But it was not possible. Not as far as our salvation was concerned. And I'm so grateful that Jesus said, yet, Lord, not not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus suffered there. He died there in our place. But not only is it necessary that Jesus died for us, it's also necessary that he was raised to life. The resurrection is absolutely essential for our salvation. The resurrection affirms to us that Jesus is the Son of God, just as he claimed to be. The resurrection proves to us that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has been accepted by the Father. The resurrection declares to us that Jesus is the one who will come again to judge the living and the dead. And the resurrection assures us that our sins are forgiven and that we have been raised to a whole new life. Romans 6, Paul says, we have been buried with Him. We have been raised with Him that we might walk in newness of life. Life. That's what the resurrection does for us. It changes us. It transforms us. And Jesus Christ dwells within us. The living one sets us free from sorrow. The living one sets us free from sin. And then thirdly, the living one sets us free from doubt. The women, they were convinced that Jesus was alive and so they had some good news to share and so they went and they told the apostles. Verse 8 says, they remembered His words and they returned from the tomb and they reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. And verse 11 says, but these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not Believe them. A.T. Robertson says the word nonsense was used by medical writers to describe the wild talk of those who are delirious or hysterical. So, basically, what the apostles thought of the message of the women, they thought they were nuts. They are crazy. How could that be? He died on a cross. We saw it. He was put in that tomb. We, we know that. How could that be that Jesus has risen from the dead? These women must be crazy. Verse 12 says, But Peter got up, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. Can't you just imagine what's going through Peter's mind? Well, here's the evidence. His body is is not here. Maybe he is actually alive. Maybe they're not crazy. Maybe He is the living One. Well, that evening, Jesus appeared to His disciples and any doubts that they had were, were removed. Verse 36 says, While they were telling these things, He Himself stood in their midst and said, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see that a, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as, as you see that I have when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. And He said to them, These are My words which I have spoken to you I was still with you, that all things which are written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then Luke says, Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. So here they had the evidence of the, 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 the Word of God, the Old Testament, all the prophecies made. And there was Jesus standing before them. Not a spirit, not a ghost. The nail marks in His hands and feet, the spear mark in His side. Yes, indeed, He was risen. And they needed to be convinced of that fact. And so he continued to appear before them for 40 days prior to his ascension, speaking to them things of the kingdom of God. He appeared to 500 brethren at one time, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you read the book of Acts, you will see what happened when their doubts were removed. When they were convinced that Jesus indeed had risen from the dead and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, God used these men to turn the world upside down. These men of fear became men of courage. These men of weakness became men of power. And they were willing to give their lives for the gospel because they were convinced that Jesus had risen. The resurrection of Jesus transformed their lives. Has the resurrection of Jesus transformed your life? Are you following Jesus today because you are convinced that He is who He claimed to be, that He died on the cross, that He rose again, and that one day He is coming again? Joni Yoder tells about Her daughter, who was an employee of an airline. And so Joni, as a parent, got to fly with just paying, I suppose, just some service charges. And she said, I could fly wherever the airline flies. One drawback, however, and that is that I must be on standby, she said. That means I'm allowed on board only if there is space available. Until then, my luggage is set aside and labeled status pending. The paying passengers can board. I must wait, wondering if my name will be called. Then she said, I can never be certain of a seat because available space isn't guaranteed. And she goes on to say, it's a far different situation On our journey to heaven, which begins when we put our trust in Jesus. Because of his death and resurrection, she says, our passage to heaven is guaranteed. Our status is not pending. There is space available. Our names will be called. These priceless privileges have been paid for in full. By the sacrificial death of Jesus and his glorious resurrection. Praise God for that. That Jesus died and rose again. And when we put our trust in him, there's no status pending. We have his promise, we stand on his word, we believe that what he says is true that Jesus will call us one day to be with Him in glory. For some of us, we'll enter through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe for some of us, we'll be caught up to be with Jesus. Maybe we won't have to pay the undertaker. huh? My dad used to say, he ain't waiting for the undertaker, waiting for the upper taker. He didn't buy any... uh, cemetery plot because he said I don't want to own any real estate I might not need so I guess we paid for it huh? when when he died so let your kids pay for it friend that's the hope that we can have and you stand then at a crossroad today when you leave this place you will either be following the living one or something else that that gives no hope Jesus frees us from sorrow. He frees us from sin. He frees us from death and doubt. And we can know Him today. I find it interesting when when the message was given to the woman, go tell the disciples that He is risen. But then He says, tell them to go ahead into Galilee, because there they'll see Me. There they'll meet Me. There's a lot of people today in our churches that would say, you know, ask, if you ask them, do you believe in the resurrection? Oh yeah, I believe the resurrection. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Yes, I believe He died and rose again. But they don't know Him as their Savior. Because they've never met Him. they never had a living, personal relationship with Jesus. Friend, that's what we need today. We need to know Him personally. The Bible says, "...to as many as received Him." To them He gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on His name. That's His promise. That's where I stand today, rejoicing in what Jesus Christ has done for me. Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. That's my hope in Jesus And in Him alone. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You so much for the fact that You are the Living One. And You set us free from sorrow. You set us free from sin. You set us free from doubt. Lord, thank You that we can stand on Your promises today. We can leave this place rejoicing because we follow the Living One whoever lives, to make intercession for us. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because we know He holds the future. And we can face uncertain days because He lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.